You are now tuned into The Property Management Show with your host, Alex Sosinenko. We bring you the experts of today so you can be the master of tomorrow in all things property management. Whether it's getting more doors, running a profitable fee-based business, or by simply being the best property manager. Grab a pen and paper because this episode is sure to be a good one. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hey guys, uh, welcome to episode number 35. Gee, it's uh, the show is almost as, uh, as old as I am <laughs> in years and numbers. Um, but I have an excellent guest and we have an excellent topic today. And, and we're going to dig deep into understanding how to build great relationships with the right owners. Talk about the customer journey roadmap. And uh, I have a guest today, uh, Mark Cunningham. Um, Mark is an awesome property management entrepreneur. He is an educator. He is a speaker. He is a coach. He's a founder of propertymanagementsystems.org. I'm going to ask Mark to tell his story a little bit, introduce himself, and we'll dig right into the topic. Hey, Mark, how are you? Great, Alex. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good to have you. So tell us a little bit about your story. How, how did you end up being where you are today with, with running a successful property management shop, running a successful consulting? What else do you do? Uh, besides that, I just raise my, raise my kids, play with the kids, and... Uh, keep my wife happy. So between those three things, I'm doing well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, very good. <laughs> but I, I grew up in the property management world. Uh, my dad started Grace Management in 1978. So I, I literally grew up in the property management world, in the real estate world. So he had me you know, pulling weeds, mowing lawns, serving notices, painting doors, you know, everything a kid probably shouldn't do. He had me doing because I was free child labor and, and it worked out well for him. So, But it gave me a unique view into the real estate property management world. So I would, I would spend my summers as a kid coming into his office a little bit, working around here. And then as I got into high school, I'd work here part-time in the summers. And uh, I went to Colorado State University. I actually studied uh, finance and real estate. So I, I double majored up there and uh, worked for a couple other property management companies. I was just always interested in it. And uh, I graduated from, from that. I was working up in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And I got a call from my dad one day. This is, this is about 20 years ago now. I got a call from my dad one day and he said, hey, I just picked up a, a big property. And I need to hire a new property manager. The job's yours if you want it. So I jumped on that. Uh, at that point in time, when I came over here, when we're in Denver. That's where we're located. There were three of us in the office. So at that point, we had three of us. Uh, it was 20 years ago. So our, our growth has been uh, slow and steady. Uh, so today, we've got a team of, uh, what, 18 folks. And we manage uh, upwards of 600 doors. Uh, we do sales. We do residential. We do commercial. We buy. We sell. And we follow the opportunity. That, that's Really uh, nice. So you have... You have complementary businesses bolting on on top of your portfolio or around your portfolio to, to, to make A, full customer experience, and B, also revenue yourself uh, in a, in a, you know, uh, from, from all those auxiliary businesses. Exactly. We're big on ancillary business services, so we never want to say no. If an owner wants us to do whatever they want us to do, we want to figure out a way for a cost, usually, to say yes and make that work because we want to, we want to provide a high value to our customers. Say our property management is just the base for everything else we do. Uh, so that's really taken off into sales. You know, I know some PM companies sell and some don't. For many many years we didn't, uh, but we we cut onto that. That's been 
wonderful. We love doing that. So we've got a whole sales side of things going that way. Uh, what is main- it, Mark? Sorry, but I'm, I'm just curious. I think this is the, exactly the right way to do it. I think sales is is a natural outcome. I mean, they'll push you into sales. <laughs> you know, you can resist or you could just do it. What is the percentage of your revenue, top line revenue coming from sales versus property management? What would you say the breakdown is? Uh, so from property, well, first let me answer. The, so from property management, management fees were 50%. So 50% of our revenue is property management, management fee. Uh, so 50% is non-management. I would estimate from sales, it's of the 50%, it's probably, 20% maybe of our total in, uh, revenue is sales. And how many people do you have? Do you have people dedicated to, I'm sorry, we're deviating a bit, but I'm, I'm really interested in this. I think our audience would be too. How many people you have dedicated to sell real estate? Yeah, great question. So we give our property managers uh, two different hats they can wear. So we've got a team of property managers. We've got eight, eight PMs. And our PMs can either be PM only, all they do is property management, or they can step into a secondary role, which is primarily property management and then secondarily sales. Meaning that if your owner client comes to you and says, hey, I wanna sell, they can be the agent for that for that transaction. Um, all of our agents are licensed, uh, real estate agents here in our office, our property managers are, so they can sell from a legal standpoint. Now, in order to do that, they've gotta prove themselves to us. We've, we've gotta kind of green light that. And then they're gonna pay us a desk fee in essence for the right to sell because we want going out there and helping those clients buy and sell. But we know they have the relationship with the owner. So when the owner says, gosh, my tenant moved, you know, maybe I just want to sell. We should be selling that property every time. And they have the relationship with that property manager. So half of our property managers have that ability to sell uh, to those. The ones that don't have that ability to sell, uh, we have somebody in-house who is our, our kind of our president of real estate sales. And those leads then go to him and, uh, and he tries to close those deals down. Because we do want to use our our abilities to help our owners buy and sell both. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there, there are investors who are acquiring properties, there are people who need to sell properties. You know, why would you, um, why would you give away that opportunity? Um, I mean, unless you had a realtor referral that you promised to give back, which, which understandably you have to, at least, that, you know, uh, do, you, do your job there. But other than that, it's, yeah, it's, it's 20% and for many of years, we, huge, that. we sent them away for many years and finally we thought, well, this is silly, you know, why are we doing this? Uh, especially with the sales market as hot as it is right now. This is a great time for property managers to capitalize on that. There's there's very little reasons not to be doing that. Yeah, I'm with you on this. So let's get back to, to, to working with the right owners because honestly, Mark, you probably would not be able to do that and your property managers won't be able to take on the sales hat or to wear a sales hat if, if, if all they did is fought fires all day long, right? When you work for the wrong owners, right? When you have the... the, the, the the owners that don't fit your business model, you're fighting fires, you're being reactive, everybody's burning out. We talked about burnout, you and I, just before this this this, this recording. But um, what I see personally, and just, just validate this for me, you've done some consulting, so you may be able to validate this. I see the per- personally, I see with within my my consulting and my uh, client practice, I see a difference of up to thirty basis points in profitability between people managing the right portfolio of owners and the wrong portfolio of owners. We're talking about, so if you make a million dollars in revenue, some of my companies that I work with make 400,000 bottom line, 400K, and some make 50. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, working with the right owners. So, um, Mark, what is your first, uh, what is the first step a property management business owner would need to take 
to sort of assess themselves and go after the right kind of client? How would they do that? So, and I agree with everything you just said. I, I think that people are doing that. Uh, from a big perspective, our concept is this. Do you want every tenant, I'm talking tenants now, every tenant that comes in the door, every applicant, do you want to work with that applicant? And every property manager would say, no, of course not. I've got to qualify my applicants. I, I need to turn half of them away because they're going to be crazy. They're going to be nutty. So I would follow that up and I would assume from what we've seen that a significant portion of those owners, you also do not want to work with. You need to qualify your owners, not exactly in the same way, but you need to be qualifying your owners actually even more so than you qualify a tenant. If a tenant goes crazy, you don't renew your lease, you get them out. If an owner goes crazy or you have an issue with an owner, that's when it can get messy and hairy and, and legal issues. So you absolutely, for the success and the sanity of your business, need to create a system that you put your owners through to determine if they're going to be a good fit uh, with you or not. And we use that word a lot in our office, fit. Is this owner a good fit for our system? And so it's not a right or wrong. It's not like we don't like them or uh, they don't like us. It's just not a good fit because we have a very specific business model. We, we particularly, we want to work with hands-off owners. We want those owners who uh, at the end of the day are going to say, hey, you know, do your job. I trust you guys. Our best owners are the ones that say, do what you do. If the property burns to the ground, call me. Otherwise, I don't want to hear from you. Hmm. Love those owners. That's what I want. That's what I want. And, and there are those owners out there. Uh, the challenge comes as you grow, as you do more and more marketing, you attract a wider range of individuals. So you've got to tighten up your filter, tighten up your funnel. And I think you do that through your website. You can do that through marketing and obviously through the interview questions with those prospective owners as they're walking in the door. It's good. It's good. I actually, that, that's a perfect segue to talk about the interview process. I think you have a very specific methodology for the interview process. And I re, and I looked at it and I watched it on, you have a YouTube video on it and we'll link it out here. Um, and I, I was like, wow, man, that, that methodology is like, Mark stole it from me. And then I'm realizing like, that's just no way. Like it's not, my, listening is not my own prerogative. Like that's, I've, I've picked it up from somewhere else. I'm like, there's no way, but Mark and I think exactly the same way. That's more like it. Um, because you know, more, a lot of people teach, um, you know, all kinds of sales techniques and very few people put emphasis on listening. I think that's sort of part of your, uh, um, approach to the owner interview, right? Is, or am I yes. not getting it right? No, that is exactly right. So, so when that owner calls in into our office, you know, we start that rather than start the conversation off excited, like, oh, we got a lead. Let's close the lead. Let's close the lead. Cause that's what most companies do. And in a lot of companies, you just have to do that, especially when you're smaller. But we want to walk into that initial conversation skeptical. We want an eyebrow raised. We need to determine whether or not this is going to be a good fit. And, and we start with, with the end in mind. So what I mean by that is when a call comes into the office, whether I'm taking that call from a prospect or one of my property managers is talking to them, they have a, a pre-printed owner questionnaire, we call it. It's an internal doc, but it's an owner questionnaire. And by the end of that conversation, that property manager needs to be able to fill out this owner questionnaire. And it has a number of specific questions and I'll be happy to go through them. But the very last one, the last question at the end of the page uh, for the property manager specific has, has four questions. It says on the property manager has to has to check this and it says, uh, is the owner financially stable? Yes or no. The PM has to be able to check that box. Are they financially stable or are they not? So they will have gleaned that information from the conversation because we don't want to work with a financially unstable owner. You know, if the owner says, gosh, I've got to get this property rented in two weeks or I can't make my mortgage payment, we don't want them because what's going to happen if we go two weeks in a day? Now suddenly 
they're mad, they don't have any money, we want financially stable owners. That's our first question for our PM. Second question, is the owner emotionally stable? And usually I, I get a giggle from our PMs when we talk about that, but if you've ever worked with an emotionally unstable client, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing at all. We, we had that happen yesterday. I had an owner call in and she was a little bit crazy and then you know, she was crying about this and upset about that. And I went back to my PM and I said, yeah, she's always been that way. I said, well, why are we working with her? We want emotionally stable clients. Right. So, so financially stable, emotionally stable. Uh, number three, are they, um, look at my notes here because I, I pulled them out here. Are they realistic in expectations? And that's a big one as well. We want to make sure that they are realistic in what we're going to provide for them. If they're just not realistic, again, it's not going to be a good fit. And then based upon those three, the final question for the PM is, can you control this transaction and this owner? And if they can't say yes to those four things, then they have the authority from me to not work with that owner. Not only that authority, but I want them to not work with that owner. Because if there's a problem down the road, I'm going to ask them why, why they chose to work with this owner. So that's where we're going with the conversation is we're trying to glean that information. Financially stable, emotionally stable, realistic in expectations, and can we control the client and the situation? Gotcha. And the property manager, uh, it sounds like they have to make a judgment call on all four of these. So there's probably a subset of questions, right? Or, or I mean, how do you start the interview? So, so I get these are like you said, these are the four last questions, right? Or, or at least that's the assessment that the property manager. I'm sorry. Yep, that's what we're trying to get to. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so that's the outcome. But what, what, how do you sort of, how do you expand the call to be able to get that information? Yeah. So we don't sell. We are a very soft sell company. So when a call comes in, and my PMs know this, we're not there to sell ourselves. We're there to listen to the client and determine if we would be a good fit. Now, now we believe we're you know, the best in town, so obviously we're going to kind of sell ourselves on that. But when they call in, I'm a big believer in shut up and let the client tell you what they need. And then you can determine whether or not you can fit that need rather than going into sales mode and suddenly trying to convince this person on why we're the best and why they should work with us. And so we typically started off with, with the first thing I would say is, well, tell me a little bit about yourself and your situation. And it's amazing what people will tell you if you just close your mouth and let them start talking. And so you can glean a lot just from there. You know, when they start talking, well, I'm, I'm not working with my current management company. Oh, really? Why not? Well, I'm I'm suing them right now uh, because I didn't like the way they worked. Okay, well, I, I just found out everything I need to know. Everything I need to know, I just found out by asking that question. So by just asking them about themselves, about their situations, either, either people are going to go deep and they're just going to talk and talk and talk and talk. So we can glean a lot just from opening that door and allowing them to sell themselves to us a little bit. So that that's our first and most important question that, that we uh, we start with that way. Uh, after they've talked about that a little bit, well, our, kind of our follow-up question to that is, well, you know, if we work together, we wanna make sure that, that we have your end goals in mind. So, so tell me what both your short and your long-term goals are for the property. Because if they're gonna sell it in six months, you know, should I, do I wanna know that as the PM? Yeah, you bet I do. Or if they're long-term goals, well, I wanna get 10 more of these properties in the next three years, you know, does that attract me more to the client? Yeah, it sure does. So that's that's our follow-up question uh, specifically on that is tell me what your goals are for the property. Gotcha. But so that that's good. Um, those are excellent questions, and they're open-ended questions, right? And they get the the prospect talking. Um, how do you overcome like what's your fee question? Like if they open with like, hey, what's your fee? 
you know, most of our, our folks don't really open with that. Ninety percent of the time, if they open with that, I know we're not going to get the deal because we're not the cheapest in town. I know they're looking for the cheapest in town if they want that. So when they say, well, what is your management fee? I say, well, our management fee. Uh, and then I say, well, tell me a little bit about your property geographically. And where is it at? I'll be happy to answer, answer your question on what we charge. And then I say, well, we're not the cheapest company in town. If you're looking for the cheapest company in town, we're not it. And in this, in this industry, you're going to get what you pay for. Uh, so, and I don't know if I can quote management fees on your on your show here, kind of what what that what that looks like. Uh, but I, I'm going to almost like shun them and kind of turn them away and say, hey, we're, if that's what your number one concern is, we're probably not going to be a great fit uh, for you because we're going to provide the best service you can find. But we are a premium company; we provide premium service, uh, but we don't come cheap. What about um, my advice for this? Has always been sort of. Um Actually, give them a range, uh, and then ask them. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your property. That that is an excellent open. Like I'm, I'm definitely aligned on that. But like, so if you if you ask me, hey Alex, what is your fee? Say, well, look, our, our service plans range from uh, 499 to you know 1,200 a month. It just depends how fast you want to grow your company. So tell me a little little bit more about your company and your goals and where you headed. Yeah, and we're pretty straightforward with that. I mean, you know, for the sake of this example, let's say it's 10%. You know, if someone says, well, what's your management fee? I'll tell them, our management fee is 10%. Uh, now, and then depending on what they say from there, oh, gosh, that's really high, or the guy down the street's cheaper than that, or, oh, that sounds pretty good. I mean, then I'll kind of model my conversation based upon their response to that. Uh, but one of our kind of values that way with our, our clients is we want to be candid. We right. want to be very, very candid. So if they want to know how much we charge, we're going to tell them how much we charge. We're not going to uh, try to hide that behind a wall somewhere. But, but, but the, uh, go ahead. I had a uh, conversation just a couple days ago. The prospective owner called in, had a great conversation. We talked for half an hour. They went through all, all sorts of th- all sorts of questions. And then uh, we were getting off the phone. They said, okay, well, this is great. Let me review your information. I'll be in touch. And they said, oh, by the way, I should, probably should ask, what do you guys charge? Now, now that's the owner I'm going after. Like to him, Price was an afterthought. He's an investor. He's got properties. He want, He knows what questions he wants. He wants a good, solid company. So somebody like that, that's probably who we're going to get. Uh, price is an afterthought to him. Now, are there less clients like that out there? Yes, there are, but that's okay. I will take two of those and turn away five clients that are pains and hassles and looking for the cheapest in town because if you grow your business with those types of clients, that's how you become uh, financially stable. That's what makes business fun. Mm. So um, I wanted to go back a little bit. We're gonna get into uh, uh, some of the more specific uh, methodologies for picking, picking and uh, and onboarding the right client. But um, I wanted to ask you this, uh, Mark. You you said you pointed out something up front. You said, look, you know, uh, as you grow, as your marketing grows, you you know, um, you get the you become a privileged position of picking your owners, right? And I have a lot of clients in this position, and it's it is a privileged position because you're the first call they're making, right? Or the second, right? Or they're, they're, you're right there on top. What if you're not on top, man? What if your lead flow isn't as you know robust? What mm-hmm. if you just starting out? How would you how would you do that? How would you help? Well- what we did, you know, what I recommend folks do with when you're there in that first phase and their goal at that point is different. At that point, your goal is to get doors. Without doors, you die. I mean, you've got to have income. So in that case, are you going to take some of those questionable owners? Yeah, you're going to have to. That's just the nature of the business. You can't start off turning away 50% of the owners that, you know, you're right. We are at a privileged place and it's nothing we've done in and of ourselves other than the fact that we've made a lot of mistakes 
over 40 years and we've kind of we've tripped our way into where we're at. So uh, so I'm speaking from that unique position that way. I would not encourage every single company out there. If you're small and just getting started, don't make it your goal to go start turning people away. That's that's not going to get you where you need to be. So what we would always do is we would come down in our pricing. We, we were less than market because that was a way to attract those individuals coming in. But what we found over time is that if you do a good quality job with people and you get them in the door and they like you, it's relatively easy then to start bumping up your management. Mm, nice. People are not going to leave over a small, modest increase in management fees. Property management companies are in property managers are terrified of that, right? They think everybody's going to go rushing for the doors if someone takes their management fee from eight to nine percent or nine to ten or whatever. That just doesn't happen. It, it absolutely will not happen. And, and we uh, we experienced this you know, a number of years ago. And I remember very vividly one day where we were trying to get our business to the next level. And I was sitting in my computer one day and I thought, you know what, we're going to send out some management fee increases for the upcoming year. And so I started typing out emails. And I sent one email, you know, dear, dear Mr. Owner, we appreciate your business. We love you. Our costs of business have gone up. It is necessary for us to have a modest increase in our management fee. Therefore, effective January 1st, 2000, whatever it was, your management fee will be increasing from, you know, I don't know, you know from, from 10 to 12%. Whatever. Sure. Click return, click send. And I thought that was kind of fun. Did another one. Well, I kind of got on a roll, Alex, like a little bit too much of a roll. So next thing I know, like I'm just, I'm jacking these things up. I mean, I'm just, I'm getting way aggressive on these management fees. And after I was, and I went through like every client, every single one of our clients, we bumped up their fee. To, now it may have just been going from 10 to 10.5%, right? I mean, not a huge increase, but we needed to, we needed more cash flow. Right. So at the end of the day, I thought, oh my gosh, like what did I just do? I just increased management fees on everybody we have. And some of them were very, very aggressive. And we had, we had zero pushback. We had zero people leave because they don't, they don't want to leave. If you're doing a good job, they don't want the hassle of going and finding somebody else and messing with all that. So if you're doing a good job, I encourage companies, we encourage companies to do this annually. At the end of each year, take your bottom 20% of owners, look at that 20%. And when I say bottom, that may mean because they're difficult. It may mean because the property is located in a bad area or far away. But for whatever reason, take your bottom 20% and bump up their management fees somewhat and and I really don't think, and I know those owners typically, unless you're doing a terrible job, they're not going to leave. Mm. So let's talk about doing a good job. I'm, I'm anxious to talk about your philosophies on some of these things. And specifically, um, I think customer service is is important. And um, let me pre preface this by saying that um, I, I am, I'm beginning to resent some of the um, some of the attitude that property managers, some of my, even my good friends, property management friends, display towards tenants. Um, I'm beginning to understand that tenant is, is tenant is not, you know, a necessary evil. Tenants are, um, tenants are, tenants are everybody, right? This is like the whole millennial, the whole generation. Um, you know, these guys are high owner earners. They just don't want to own home. They should not be treated like a second class citizen. I remember myself and I think I already, uh, um, had a rant on one of my podcasts. I'm not going to go on the long one, but I remember myself being a tenant. Situation where I was starting a business, had to rent out my own house and become a tenant. I didn't, man. I was not treated uh, in anywhere in a way that I expected to be. It's okay, you know. I don't, I don't, you know, uh, I don't hold any grudges. But, uh, but I'm just saying, it's not. It, it's 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 tough. Uh, I think I think the the people are who are going to win in this industry are the ones 
who treat tenants with as, mu as much respect and tender love and care as they do owners. What do you think about that? I agree 110%. That's, that's absolutely correct. That's one of the things that, that I feel has made us successful is we go in there. So, so our mission statement, our purpose statement is what we call it, is to improve the lives of real estate investors and residents through property management solutions. It, and it's not something- That's awesome, that, man. That's short and really, really good. But we don't tack it up on a boardroom wall and you know refer to it once a year. Like We talk about it every month in our team meeting. Guys, we, talk, we talked about it today. We had our team meeting today. And I said to our team, guys, we're not in the real estate business. We're not even in the property management business. We're in the improving people's lives business. Literally, now, yeah. Now, Literally. Is real estate. That's our product to get there. But that's not the business we're in. We've, and you've got to keep that mentality. Because when you get that mentality of, hey, we're, we're improving lives, when a tenant calls in and they don't have hot water, and we can get somebody out there that same day to get that hot water fixed, and they've got kids who are cranky because they can't get hot water, we just improve that person's life. When we collect the rent and we send it on to an owner, and that owner needs that money because they're retired and they need that money to live, that's a big deal. We just improve that person's life. When we do something as mundane and as normal as a lease renewal, right? We negotiate a lease renewal, get a lease renewal out to the tenant, they sign a lease, they stay in the property, and that lets the kid in that house stay in the same school for another year and not have to change schools and make new friends. Like that, if that doesn't sound, send a chill down your spine. So I don't want you on my team. That, but we do it every day. That's the stuff we do. And you've got to understand it and think of it that way because this is a tough business. But if you look at it that way, that man, we're, we're improving those people's lives, that's where your business can really be impactful. I, I I can't agree with you more. So I th I think part of the part of the answer here f to find your mojo and work with the right owners and and make tons of money and 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 have fun as you say growing your business is to find your purpose and communicate it consistently. Yes. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. Um, all right, Mark, can we take a pause for a second? I'm going to talk about my sponsor, who's awesome. Um, PM Growth Summit, guys. If you have not heard of PM Growth Summit, you should. Uh, check it out at the PM Grow Summit or pmgrowsummit.com. It's a premier conference for the property management entrepreneurs. This is conference specifically designed for people who are looking to grow um, their business and need education. That's more of advanced to master's level education on how to accomplish that growth. Um, focused on uh, laser focused on growth strategies, uh, bringing world-class world speakers and thought leaders around the country um, I have to say, since I'm a co-founder of PM Growth Summit, I can disclose this. Our speaker budget this year is seventy thousand dollars. It's it's a good amount of money to bring really good talent over. So we're excited about the lineup we have this year, um, and it is the best place to network with the other like-minded, successful, growing uh, property management entrepreneurs. So, guys, if you have not registered yet, I highly recommend you check it out and you make your registration um, because the pricing, uh, we have different tiers in pricing and the price only gonna go up. The conference is on January 31st through February 2nd in um, San Diego, California. And you can take $100 off your registration by typing my name into the discount field uh, or special promotion code field on uh, Eventbrite when you're booking. And my name is Alex, clearly A-L-E-X. You type that in, you get 100 bucks off. Um, all right, excellent. Mark, um, you with me still? Yes, and I'll give you a plug. I was at your uh, PM Growth Summit last year. It was awesome. 
and I'm coming out again this year. Looking forward to it. That's highly recommend. And, and and Mark and I we discussed uh, a speaking opportunity for Mark. So potentially we're gonna uh, bring him in, you know, next year as we've sort of uh, um, had this one uh, pretty much in place. But yeah, Mark, I appreciate that and thank you for the feedback. Um, one other thing, um, your video is frozen. And those of you guys on audio, who cares, right? You don't care. But your video is frozen. We just keep going with it. Um, those folks who watch on the YouTube and stuff, that's fine. They can see you know how you look like. Um, yeah, it was a good frozen <laughs> shot of me, so that's all right. They can it's just... actually not bad, man. Yeah, usually it's like... I look intense, right? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. usually it's all like cartoonish. But yeah, this looks good. Um, all right, so let's keep going. So this is... We're getting into interesting stuff. Um, what about the so what, what are your some of your customer service methodologies or philosophies? Yeah. Um, so philosophically, let's talk about our owners again. And one of the things that, that we're a little bit unique in that I preach to uh, to my my team and my property managers is we use this philosophy sometimes, and it's a little counterintuitive, but it's don't answer on the first ring, don't answer on the first ring. And uh, you know that people are probably going to stop listening to the show right now. They're like, oh, this guy's nuts. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I I get that so much of our industry has to be about speed, right? And I'm, I'm all about that. I mean, we, 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 re, we preach to our team, get back with people promptly, people want fast responses, and we do that. We do fast response, but we need to be realistic. And we are professionals. So let me ask you this, Alex. If you called your attorney right now, because you had a legal question, and if he didn't call you or return your call until tomorrow morning, would that, would that upset you, would that bother you? Uh, that no, one. I expect that. I mean, I, I, if he picks up, that'd be great, but uh, I, I don't think he would. Or what about your doctor, right? Like, let's say you called your doctor and you just had a question, you know, not an emergency question, but uh, you had a question for your doctor and he calls you back the next morning. Usually that, next day, yeah, I get an email back yeah. the next day from my doctor. Right. See, in property managers, we need to think of ourselves as professionals. We're, we're professional property managers. And when you get in that mentality, then that's going to create... A, a positive relationship you have with your owner, and it starts on the first ring. So, if I tell my PMs, look, if a call comes in Saturday night from a prospective client and they want to know about our services, do not call them back. I mean, if you've got nothing to do and you're bored sitting there on Saturday night, fine. But don't stop dinner. Don't stop what you're doing. We'll call them Monday. And if if they can't wait until Monday, then we don't want them as a client. Because we know that they're going to set unrealistic expectations. And every time, Alex, every time, and me personally as well, it has happened to me two weeks ago, every time we break that rule, it burns us. We look so, back and we say, why so, didn't we follow our own rule? I, I, want, I, want, I want to challenge you on this a little bit, Mark. So, so okay. put a pause on what you were going to say because I, I need to hear the rest of it. I, this was just an entrance into an interesting discussion. But let me put a pause on this one. When, when somebody calls us on a weekend, we get a few inquiries, quite a few inquiries on a weekend. People read the blogs. They're like, oh, I need to hire a marketing company. Boom, I'm going to submit my – so what we do, we, we let the automation take over. So we actually have a, our sales director video go out saying, hey, welcome. Thank you. Here's what we do. You know, all those things. Glad to meet you. Glad welcome you, you know, uh, uh, um, into a conversation with our rep who's going to call you on Monday, blah, blah. So that's kind of how we do it. We have automation. Do you do any of that? Yes, absolutely. I'm okay. all for the automation, all for that. So if they're on our website and they click, you know, you know, the information, they're going to get a, a link to a video from of me uh, talking about us a little bit. So we're going to automate as much as we can that way. But they're they may not hear from a live person uh, until the next business day. But there's a touch. There's a touch and a personal absolutely. personal message via the video. Absolutely, absolutely. I believe I mean, in that strongly. Yep. Yep, and that's one of the challenges, and that's why video works so well. I mean, you guys do that so well with your company for folks. Um, we're big believers in that because that's a that's a way for me 
to have a personal touch on every single prospect that comes through. We get a lot of leads and I, I just can't follow up. Personally, me, I can't follow up with every one of them. I just can't. But if every one of them gets a, gets a video of me talking, just like I'm doing now, telling them a little bit about us, how we work, what we do, what we believe philosophically, it's going to do one or two things. It's going to either make them, it's going to turn them off and be like, yeah, I, you know, I don't like this guy. In which case, great. Go, go to my competitor and that's fine. Or they're going to get a little bit endeared to us, right? And you know what else is so interesting, Alex? If I do speak to an owner, an owner will call and for, you know, they'll get through to me. Oh, there we're back on there with the... Uh, get back on the video. Back on the video. Patience uh, pays off. Yeah, so, so your owner, yep, they get owner, to you. I can tell in the first 10 seconds of the conversation if they've watched my videos online. Because if they've watched my videos online, their demeanor is totally different. They'll, it'll be like, hey, Mark, this is Bill. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm really curious to find out a little bit more about your services. And I saw, I saw this. I know that it's like, we're buddies. Like I have to, isn't that awesome, man? Amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Versus, uh, yes, I'd like to find out about your services and oh, what's just, your fee. And what's your fee? Yeah. So if they've watched me, it's created that rapport that only video can do. I mean, if people aren't doing that, you know, whether they're doing it through you guys or on their own, they need to be, they've got to be, you've got to be, it's nece- it's a necessity today. See, that's the thing. And I feel that's, that's a tremendous competitive advantage and it's going to continue to be that. Um, people say, well, what, my, my, my uh, competitor does videos. I'm like, great. Well, he does and you do and maybe one other lady does and 50 other companies in your market don't and they'll never will because guess what? They always want to hide from their customers. They're not proud of the work they're doing. They're not proud of what they're doing. They want to hide. They want to be on the background. They don't want to be known. Um, and you know what? The, you know, the customers vote with their dollars. Right? They want to know who they're working with. They don't necessarily need to call you every time, right, Mark? But having seen you, having like assured themselves that, hey, man, this is a real guy. He, he looks legit. He works legit. He talks legit. I might give him a chance. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right in that so many, I think, people don't do the videos because they, they don't think they will sound professional enough. They don't like the way they look. They don't like the way they sound. But clients don't want Hollywood productions. Oh. They, they want real. They want real life. They want to know who they're talking to. So when you have that video and maybe you stutter a little bit or you do whatever, you don't look perfect, that's okay. That's what clients want. They want to work with a real person. So you know, the first time we started doing this stuff, Alex, I kid you not, I, I went home to my home office and I was like, this is crazy. We, we got to get on. And by the way, it was after your PM Growth Summit last year. So you inspired me with that. Yeah, thank so we you. got home and we thought, you know, we had to get this stuff done. So I went to my home office. I got my son, Gabriel. I said, Gabriel, come here. Come into my office. So imagine a little scrawny year old, 11 year old boy sitting on his underwear on my desk in my office with my iPhone. I popped my iPhone out. I was like, here, I stand against the wall. I said, and I I'm going to talk for two minutes. And I didn't even really talk about something about, you know, why do property management companies charge so much? I said, hit the record button. And he, and he's just trying to make, he's like making goofy faces at me, trying to get me to laugh. And I talked for two minutes, you know, and he turns it off and, you know, was it quality great? No, it's an iPhone, which is actually pretty good quality, but it, it wasn't professional. It wasn't, it, it didn't need to be. That wasn't the point. I wanted to get going. And so from there, then we got him a little better and got him rolling. But people just need to pull the trigger on it, get it done, bite the bullet. And people say the camera adds 10 pounds. It doesn't add 10 pounds. It adds reality. So just <laughs> with that. With that. <laughs> you have the 10 pounds. Just, just own it. <laughs> I own it. Dang it. You know, whatever. It is what it is. So, yeah, you're right. It, you know, and I have an accent and I have, you know, I have all these insecurities. Believe me, uh, you know, people look at me and say, like, oh, he's got it easy. It, no, and I don't got it easy. Uh, this is, takes a lot of, um, a lot of effort. And, 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 but you have to believe in what you do. 
You have to yep. believe and commit to your purpose. And again, going back, finding your purpose, there might be, there's, you know, people think it's maybe it's like La La Land or, you know, whatever, Kumbaya stuff. You know, it, it is true. And the companies I speak with, like, like uh, you know, Andrew Props, like his eyes are shining. You know, your eyes are shining. You know, this is, this is the kind of business owner that everybody wants to work with, everybody wants to connect to, learn from, and stuff like that. Um, you know, people go through the motions. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's the, they're going to end up working with the owners you don't want to work with. <laughs> that's right. And, people, and they're going to see right through that. If it's totally profit-driven, and I mean, I'm a big profit guy. You know, no question. Profitable, and I'm big on profit, but that's not the primary motivation, right? I mean, I think of profit as oxygen. You don't wake up in the morning and live for oxygen, but you need it to survive. You need profit in your business to survive, but if that's your only motivating force, you're not going to attract quality people. You're not going to attract quality clients. It's, uh, it's going to be very short-lived for you. Awesome. So let's get let's be sorry we went this on this on this on this interesting tangent. Let's come back and talk about your customer service philosophy. Yeah. You, I think you had a good beginning and and we went off on a tangent. But. So yeah, just more philosophical on the customer that's, service. That, that, that's right. So so, um, I think I think you started talking about uh, we started talking about tenants and and to care for them and then and then yeah. owners and then not answering in the first ring. Um, and then not answering on a Saturday, and then we went on a tangent. But um, wh- wh- where are you going with that? So, so not, I'm still not connecting with not answering the first ring. It, what, what advantage does it give you? So, well, let me tell you the story. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was on vacation, took my boys up to Vail, Colorado, just me and the boys, had a boys' weekend. And uh, so it was Sunday morning, about six o'clock in the morning, and I was up, the boys are sleeping, and I jump on my, my phone just to see, and I had a, uh, an email inquiry that came through to our website. Uh, from a prospective owner. And uh, she said, you know, I'm, I'm in a hurry. I really need this property rented. I thought, you know what? I'm just sitting here. I'm, just, I'm relaxing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impress the socks off this lady. I'm going to call her right now. She just sent the inquiry. So I dial it and she's like, wow, like, that's amazing. You just, I just hit send and it's six o'clock in the morning on Sunday. And I'm like, that's how good we are. You know, I'm, I'm just playing it up. And so, and uh, she's like, oh, I got to get my property rented. And so we sign her up. Well, what expectation did I set? By doing that, I set the expectation that when she has a question, I'm going to answer the phone and I'm going to be there. This lady was a nightmare, Alex. She turned oh. into a nightmare because every time she had a question, she expected to get me on the phone immediately. And I set a very unrealistic expectation. If I would have waited, which I should have done, and I don't know if we would have worked there or not, but it's that philosophy. That, that's why I, I don't believe in jumping when they say jump. I mean, we'll, we'll jump and we'll jump really high, but we'll jump on our time frame. You know, we're, we will get the job done and we're going to be the best around. But it goes back to, again, being professionals and being in charge. They need to let us be in charge. They need to let us control the situation. And that starts with the very first conversation. It starts with setting ourselves up. And we use the terminology sometimes as the alpha. We need to set ourselves up as the alpha from the first conversation. And when you've been doing this a while, you can tell. You, know, you start, start, start talking to someone and they start telling you how they want you to manage their property or what they want you to do in their marketing. Or they want you to do this or you do that. That's not going to be a good fit for us. And, and we'll just tell folks, look, and this is the exact terminology we use. You know, Our system is very much set up for hands-off owners for owners that just want to let us do what we do. And we, we will do a great job. I mean, we're the best around at that. But if you're looking to be very involved in the, in the process and kind of partner, we're probably not going to be the best fit for what you're looking for. And we just say this as flat as that. And some folks are like, yeah, okay. I think it's true for, 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 for the best services companies. I mean, we, we are, we're going through the same process. 
you know, there's a lot. We need involvement from clients to make them successful, but we need them to be involved in the sort of framework that we need their uh, their advice from. Like, you know, what makes your business work? Who's your right owner? You know, what does a new owner looks like? You know, uh, what does the right owner looks like? And perfect client profile, all these things. And once we have them, we pretty much run. And you're right. When somebody tries to manage, you know, input is great, ideas are great. But when you try to manage your own marketing campaign, you know, it's it's like here's a gal. She's been doing it for three years. She, you know, she she brought thousands of property management leads to hundreds of companies, and you're gonna tell her how to do Facebook. But I mean, come on, it's like it's not like it's look, you know, um, let the professionals do their work. Yeah, and I think part of the challenge in the property management industry is a lot of new people to the industry. That's what we're talking about here, right? I mean, what you said, well, what do the new guys do, the new gals do that don't have that clientele? A lot of those individuals have come out of the real estate sales world. They were realtors, they were agents, and realtors and agents, they've got a different mindset. They've been trained in a different way. They've been trained that if the phone does ring, you better jump on that because that could be a sale that will run away to somebody else. Mm. So. They are very much, I mean, yeah, they, of course they pick up the phone on a Sunday night because that's when their clients are available and they work weekends and that's what they do. So to, to get our, our property managers who are coming out of a sales mode to shift them into a professional property manager mode, it is a mindset shift that has to happen for them. Otherwise, that's, that's when they get to the burnout because they're working 24-7. I'm with you 100%. So. What, let me ask you this. You run a successful business. I, help us out a little bit here. Uh, how, tell us how your business is structured. Um, I've been playing with structures a lot lately. I just had this awesome podcast, I think is awesome, on, on squads. I was fascinated by concept. We as a company shifted into squads, and trust me, it was not an easy transition. It, we were two weeks into it. It's, it's very, very interesting dynamic. changes everything completely, but a lot of fun. What is, how are you structured? So we've got, we've got 18 folks. And we're kind of depart. Uh, well, we're a hybrid. So our property managers are the point of contact for our owners. Uh, we are very, very systematized in that all of our team members have what we refer to as, as KRAs, their key result areas. Those are the things that they are responsible for. Those are the only things they're responsible for. So for our property managers, that's owner relations. If an owner has a question, they're calling the PM. That, that is their point of contact. Now, we, we pull out leasing. We've got a leasing team. They do all the leasing. We pull out accounting. We've got a director of accounting. She handles all the accounting. Uh, we've got a resident services coordinator. It's kind of the first line of defense for all the little ticky-tack resident uh, things because I want my PMs, my property managers, to spend their time doing the things that they're most valuable at doing, which is you know maintenance and turnovers and dealing with owners. And, and we also filter leads, owner leads. Uh, I think you refer to them as BD, your, your BDM, right, business development mm -hmm. manager. Uh, we filter those kind of to some of our PMs. So we're kind of a hybrid structure that way. Um, but it works very, very well for us just to pull out the pull out the accounting, pull out the leasing, because I don't want I don't want my property manager doing accounting. Most property managers are terrible at accounting. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in giving that to the professional. But yet our property managers are still the direct point of contact for the owner. Do property managers, Mark, do property managers make um, more money if they manage more properties? Are they you know, like sort of commission-based a little bit or no? Our property managers are independent contractors from a from a structural standpoint. So, so they are, Yes, and they are 100% commission-based. So a oh, property okay. manager comes in, they earn a percentage of their portfolio. They earn a percentage of, uh, I think it's four pieces of the pie. So they earn a percentage of the management fee that their actual property generates. 
They earn a percentage of the late fees that that property generates, they earn a percentage of the leasing fees, and they earn a percentage of the maintenance income that that property generates. So those four pieces, they get a piece of each of those. Gotcha. All right. And then so they're responsible for their own portfolios. And so it sounds like they should be at least um, hypothetically interested in uh, new business. They should be motivated bringing new business, right? Depends on the individual. Um, and that's one of the fun things about Interesting. You know, getting, How does that work? So we're at, well, for example, we've got a, 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 a woman who's been with us for uh, six years. We actually, we, we actually bought her company. We bought her property management company. She was a competitor. And she was one of those individuals who was an amazing property manager. Amazing. But she was a terrible business owner. We bought her company. We then hired her on as a property manager. So she loves just doing the property management side, but we took her business over took her book of business. So uh, she is a little bit older and she you know, kids are out of the house and she kind of was looking towards retirement. So she doesn't want, she doesn't want a ton of doors. She wants a lifestyle. And so she wants to manage and Obviously there's needs to be a minimum base there, but I think she's managing, uh, I don't know, 40 doors and a little bit and do a little bit of sales as well. Uh, but that's fine because it's, she's a rock star and uh, we're making income from that standpoint. She's happy. She's great. We're good. I got other, I got another property manager, a young gal that started with us not too long ago, and man, she's in she's in growth mode. She just she, she's got stars in her eyes. The sky's the limit, and, and she's awesome as well. But she's working a lot of hours every week because she wants every door she can get. That's because she's young and high energy. And that's what she wants to do, and that's great for her. So from a business, from my perspective as the business owner, I just need to make sure that we've got those things hit and they're balanced out. But if we do that well, then I have no problem bringing somebody on who may only want to manage forty or fifty doors. Uh, if they're going to be a good fit for our organization, mm. and 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 I think I think another another piece of it, and and you you're you're structured just like my, uh, my friend uh, uh, Mike Catalano. He's got a very similar sort of situation, and it's been working for him. Um, you know, and and with sales side, you know, they can supplement that income quite significantly. I mean, the one yes. sale commission is a you know is a good boost. Yes, it is. They make That's good money. It's huge, yeah. And every one of these owners are going to, at some point, every owner is going to leave. I mean, almost everyone, you know, other than the ones that are generational. Uh, so you don't want that. You don't want that to go somewhere else. We want to keep that in house. And nothing drives me nuts more than an owner saying, "Yeah, I'm going to sell." And we say, "Oh, well, you know, can we help you out with that?" And they say, "Oh, I didn't know you guys did sales." You know, we, we ran into that too often. Uh, so we had to be very, very proactive in educating our owners that, "Hey, this this is what we do. We are here for you when you need that." So that was a that was a hurdle to overcome when we decided to really put our uh, are all into sales, but it's been good. Got you. Hey, Mark. So, so this was this was a re really good conversation. I really appreciate your time today. If people wanted to find out more about what you teach, check out your consulting business, maybe hire you as a coach. How would they? Where would they go? Yeah. So, so the website we have is propertymanagementsystem.org. So, propertymanagementsystem.org. And, uh, you know, we're, we're focused on a couple things that are on there. Number one is systems. I mean, we're just, a, we're a huge system dependent company, position specific system manuals. We're big on that. Uh, our other big thing is ancillary business services. You know, we're, we're big on profit. Uh, so we have those two things on there, which are big parts of what we do, as well as some educational components. Because uh, we just find, and I find that in the industry, the biggest frustration and the biggest myth is most property managers think they're the only ones that don't get it. You know, they think everybody else knows how to market. Everybody else is successful, but they're the ones. Because when you talk to property managers, they all, they all show their front stage, right? They all share how great it is, but you don't see anybody's backstage. 
so we've been doing this long enough, and basically we can uh, we just kind of share the mistakes we've made and, and uh, help PMs grow. Got you. And and uh, one ended on your PM growth summit there. P- yeah, that was great. I like that play. Um, 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 do you consult on pricing? Um, do you consult or coach on pricing modeling? Like in other words, how do you set up pricing for my company? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I do some coaching, some one-on-one coaching as well with PMs, and uh, that's a big part of it. I mean, I've got a couple guys right now, and that's that is their big thing: is how do I set up my pricing structure? Uh, and, and what I find, and I don't know what you find, Alex. What I find is so often they try to make it too complicated. You know, they want to have tier after tier and option after option, and you know they don't want to lose anybody. And, and, and that's fine if that, if that works for them. I'm a big believer in simplicity. I think clients want simplicity more than anything else. So I want to keep our website simple. I want to keep our sales process simple. I want to be able to explain what our costs are in like three sentences. If I've got to go into detail and say, well, you can pick this or pick that, and we've got this bell and that whistle, they get confused, and I, and I want to keep it simple. We've got to make it easy for the consumer to do business with us. So, so I always preach to my clients that way: keep your pricing model simple on your new folks coming in. You can always go back to them later, bump them up a little bit if you need to, like we talked about earlier, because they're probably not going to leave. Your goal is to get the good clients in the door. So, in a perspective, when a prospect calls in, decide if they fit your model for a client, and if they do. Then you go after them. Then you do everything you can to close that deal. And if that means you got to come down in your management fee, come down in your management fee. You want quality tenants. If you're a new guy or new gal starting off, get those quality tenants. You can build them up from a profitability standpoint later, but get them in the door. Got you, Mark. Well, there's a lot, a lot of wisdom shared, and uh, um, I hope you have a great rest of the day. And guys, for you listening, thank you for listening to this podcast. I'm gonna do my best to have the new music. So I have professionally recorded. I commissioned an artist to do a music for this podcast. I'm so excited. It's a little bit rock and roll. It's really, really cool. Um, we're still recording the voiceover for the beginning. So I'm changing the music next time. I think that's a that might be a promise there. Um, anyway, Mark, thank you kindly for your time. And um, we'll see you at the PM Growth Summit. Thank you, Alex. I'll leave you with this. If any of your folks are interested in any of the stuff we have on there uh, and they want to use that, that promo code, Alex, uh, we'll do a 10% off you know, till the end of the year or whenever anybody uh, jumps on there. Awesome. And by the way, we, we do have, uh, we work with tons of clients who, who sort of need a bit of an operational help. And I'm glad we made that connection because uh, we can point them your way. It's a lot of times marketing is not a problem. Marketing is, as, as Andrew, Andrew Prop says, marketing is easy. You know, um, uh, it's, it's, it's everything else that, 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 that's hard. Um, um, so anyways, thanks, Mark. We'll Thank you, soon. Alex.